Welcome to your favorite YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. I'm Uncle Warren. And uh, today we have a good one in store for you. Death, high cost of living. But uh, up front, we want you guys to know that we are a daily YouTube stream. And we've got about 1,500 videos to date. Uncle Warren was on about 35 of them. Yep. Uh, so we might have talked about your favorite comics. Uh, hit the little magnifying glass in the search field on the front page of the Kayfabe uh, YouTube channel. Search and see if we talked about your faves. If we did, give it a give it a give it a whirl. Uh, we also have a Patreon. Uh, the King K Fabers on the Patreon are watching us uh, live stream this recording session, and uh, especially when we have guests, it's like we uh, are shooting extra episodes that only the kings get to see. So support the channel at the highest level mitigates the K Fab effect, uh, and the K Fab effect comes into play whenever we're talking about uh, some rare or uh, out of print books. You like get this one. Yes, you get your first uh, chance. At the Apple. Jimmy, if you could lock that in for me. Death, High Cost of Living. I guess this is the original hardcover. Yes, it is. Uh, it's, the, it's the first edition hardcover. Um, it's been subsequently reprinted, but not as nice as this. Yeah, dude. This is a very nice dust jacket that has good tactility to it. We see some Dave McKean. Dave McKean everywhere. Dave McKean abounds, and he did do the design work on this thing. I wonder if that is Tori Amos. Like, uh, you know, like... No, like it's not. It's not. Fil film her as, uh, as Death. Uh, give, give her give her the rub uh, for doing the, the, the intro. Yeah, I think he definitely has some you know models for some of this work, and I think he has one for death based on the covers of this and the subsequent miniseries. Yeah. It feels like there's some photographic use, and I I think Dave shoot I I think Dave does everything himself probably. It yeah. seems like there's a girl named uh, Cinnamon Hadley who is the inspiration for the death character, and and you can find photos of, of Cinnamon online, and and you and you see death personified she, she has passed she's no longer with us but uh certainly is based on a person and i don't know if the photograph is of cinnamon i don't think it is but yeah beautifully designed and, uh, and yeah you can see that this this nice tactile paper here and then what's also nice is this is the only one of the dc books that has this translucent cover on it. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's very and, eerie. And, and I have I, I have all of the Sandman first editions. None of them were done as nicely as this. None of the DC books were done as nice as this. This is an exception when it comes to what they did to put together the actual physical object. Yeah, well said. Because a, a lot of... Uh, when book design comes up to a lot of cartoonists they almost immediately just think of it as drawing a pretty cover right not yeah. paper choice right not finding like this is like japanese style paper that translucency is amazing like i didn't even realize that's what it was right I thought you thought it was, was printed. printed on the cover yeah and it reminds me of like this is the early 90s dave mckean is doing digital stuff yeah it reminds me almost of like you're playing with transparencies and layers right. in photoshop but you're actually making a physical version yes. of that yeah so it's the papers that you choose uh you know the tactility of this and also Let's think about uh, Dave McKean. Amazing artist, can use any media, but with the Death comic, the void of white for the end papers feels yeah. so appropriate. Yeah. It also calls to mind, um, he would have been doing Arkham Asylum around this time, uh, you know, in yes. terms of books. Like, it feels like book-wise, it's almost a similar size format, you know, page count, give or take a little bit. And uh, he may have just been in that mindset of like really thinking about the book as an object, as his canvas at that time. Um, and I think that infiltrates your thoughts. You know, you're, you're right. sort of problem solving a lot of that stuff because these guys all work on multiple projects at once. So now you've got a book, couple books kicking around in your head. And I wonder if that's what we're benefiting from is, is, you know, somebody that has this version. You get that benefit of like, here's a guy who was thinking about book design for a right. couple of years, and this may be the apex of that. Yeah, no, th th this definitely is. When you when you look at all the first edition Sandman hardbacks on on the shelf, this one stands out. If you lay them out, this one stands out. Uh, and like I said, all the other DC stuff that was coming out at the time, the um, the archive editions and stuff like that, nothing approached this in terms of pure book design. You know, the other person who did or, or a company that did good book designs for comics is Graffiti designs yes and I, I never think of them we often talk like in maybe mid mid 90s or so tom devlin shows up with high water books and we start to see more design going into the books but graffiti designs would have been kind of the front edge of that they right. were doing those nice editions like their akiras are beautiful yeah, yeah. the, the uh, electra lives again is a like at the at that point in time all the best books would have the graffiti designs right logo in there uh can't sleep on the 
introduction by Ms. Tori Amos, who probably some bits from this will be pull quotes forever on the uh, back covers and things of uh, subsequent Sandman editions. And I think on that cover to cover episode that we did where we looked at all of uh, Dave McKean's cover work on Sandman, there was some story in there, some paragraph in there about how like before she was even really that famous, like she was sending Neil Gaiman like audio cassette tapes that she was recording herself and like met him at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, before before she really hit it so I love this stuff too because this is my era of like the early desktop publishing where oh you don't have to typeset you don't have to send type out to be typeset by a third party anymore you could do it all digitally I always think of Dave Carson and Raygun magazine but it's about the same time period and you see you know there were several designers that were doing that kind yeah. of work and again Dave McKean really on the edge of what what was happening in print Still early enough, you see it's first printing, still early enough that uh, you couldn't take for granted that these books really would be collected. Uh, and in fact, for a chunk of time, it wasn't even the DC Comics division that was doing the collecting. Uh, you look at the old um, Swamp Things, it's Time Warner books, and certainly Dark Knight Returns, maybe Ronin, Watchmen. Uh, so DC Comics proper is in the game. And uh, if you remember the old story, it, it was the second trade of... Sandman was the first collection. They didn't do preludes and Brilliant. nocturnes right. to, at, yes. the, at the beginning. That'll uh, be a topic we continue in the future. Certainly. Like we were talking about it off camera earlier. So yeah, that, that'll be we'll one come to, back to, it. to bring up. So let's jump right into things, man. Uh, one of the sexy pieces, man, is the Chris Pachalo artwork with Mark Buckingham. You know, this will be the creative team that sticks together for quite some time. You know, they move over to Generation X uh, for, for Marvel at, at, a, at a later course. But... Uh, Bacciolo, like he did that shade, uh, the Changing Man uh, Vertigo book. Also, do you got issue one? Yes, yeah, this is for issue one. One of the first books that's a newer book that had the Vertigo banner. Uh, the first, one of the first number ones. It would be this and Enigma by uh, Peter Milligan that were uh, books that were generated from the start with uh, the Vertigo logo. So that's also another uh, noteworthy piece. Yeah, definitely historically. And you know, with Mark Buckingham, it's almost like you're getting two artists. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's not just the, it's definitely not a tracer. Like there's a guy who's very accomplished as a visual artist. And I think yeah. that really helps too, as long as your two artists aren't clashing. Totally. But and these guys seem like they make great music together. Yeah. And, and we, know, we know Mark Buckingham from his work with Neil Gaiman on the back portion of uh, Miracle Man. So all these guys are connected. One of the things that uh, I made note of while going through this was the uh, beautiful cartooning of uh, Bacciolo where it would mix in and out of uh, semi-realistic looking stuff, certainly in terms of a lot of the lighting, but also very cartoony. You know, like he is not, if he is tracing a photo, on, and I think there are certain spots where he is, he's dirtying it up and cartoonifying it in a way that looks very, very elegant. This video is brought to you by the books that Ed Piscor and I make. Coming out this November, Street Angel Princess of Poverty from Image Comics joins Street Angel Deadly Squirrel Live to complete my Street Angel collection. Hulk Grand Design, available where better comic books are bought and sold but running out. So pick that one up if you haven't already. And my self-published comics, True Crime Funnies, 1986 Zine, and BW Zine will be available on JimRug.com October 26th. Hip Hop Family Tree, The Omnibus, will be out in October. Pre-order that one if you haven't already. Put your name on a copy before it is gone. X-Men Grand Design by Ed Piscor will be collected. All three volumes in one trade paperback in time for the holiday season. That's another one to pre-order. The X-Men Grand Design Trilogy paperback. And Red Room, Trigger Warnings, Anti-Social Network, and coming very soon, Crypto Killers. Pick these up wherever you buy comics. And now back to our video. Yeah, I don't know if you mean this to refer to like Mad Hetty in terms of the cartooning, yeah. but it's probably yeah. our first example of a character that has that quality applied to them here. Yeah, the color's interesting here because it's a it's a Ollie Optics and uh, it's, it's pretty consistent. I okay. was looking at this issue, and we can we can hold one up for uh, you know readers at home comparison like that page, this page. So the differences you see, I think, are probably just the coded paper versus uncoded. Yeah, sure. Right. What's interesting, though, is that uh, they're overprinting the color on top of the black line. So, you know, Steve Olive is drawing the shades in there. Like, absolutely no need to do that, but he's just doing it knowing that it's going to print that way, which is kind of a fascinating piece. And this is, like, when you look at this color, it is that sweet spot of 
the, the spawn kind of color, you know, post Akira, he's, he's cutting his teeth, figuring out the color sense. When you look at the back half of uh, those Akira books, it is spawn coloring. And uh, this does have that, which, which does age it just uh, on a technological basis. I think they could do a beautiful edition of this in black and white. Yeah. Yeah, it's built for that, for sure. Yeah, it really is. And we get some real Neil Gaimanism right here in the beginning with Mad Hetty as being not a witch, but almost magic that we're watching unfold. And I really liked the way that character is treated in this opening scene. It's, it's some fun moments. Yeah, right. it's not a witch, but an ancient. Yeah. snaps a twig and breaks a girl's breaks, leg yeah you have to you have, you have to imagine that maybe karen Berger stepped in and was like tone it down a bit because that ain't about much yeah it's a very subtle break like imagine how haratetsuo would draw that piece <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> bones sticking through and 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 here this is uh uh you know th this is london okay so there's the tower bridge this is st paul's cathedral and so they're there's this sense of place in this also totally that, that comes out and this piece is very instructive because this is uh without a doubt a high contrast photo that's that's uh glued in there and i don't doubt that the is is this the tower looks, of it looks like saint paul's saint paul's cathedral yeah. i don't doubt that this was in the original photo but they decided to bring it into focus with by cartoonifying it by pen and inking i think that's a really smart strategy and when you watch man ben guys like Ennio asano that's a method that they would use right this there this page was a great misdirect because you see bird in hand you see this composition giving you all this sky and you're expecting i'm expecting the bird to be seen yes. you know it's going to go fly off but mad hetty has some business with yeah, that right she's a good character you know she crops up a lot in the sandman series and uh, is always good for kind of comic relief and then and things. things change yes on the page turn right very smart kind of cartooning and uh this is per you could see why tori amos likes this because that, that that 90s angsty woe is me down in the dumps eeyore type of mentality is personified by this character sexton who is yep. who is uh and i bet this is todd klein lettering doing very close to getting that like mac that old school 1984 Mac font for this computer uh, transcribed suicide note that young Sexton is developing. Uh, high school student, 16 years of age. And look at the old Mac right there. Right. Yeah, I kind of enjoy seeing that stuff. Yeah, sure. It's funny to think of this as a period comic. I mean, this right. is 30 years ago. This is when we're reading 1963 and 1993. That's that's kind of what we're doing here. But Chalo, yeah. not uh, shy about using those high contrast photos in his work. It's something that he used a lot, like at the time. It's a really great transitional visual device. Yeah. Uh, we looked at some original art from uh, Chris Bachalo, thanks to uh, Brian Moss. And uh, what can be done digitally now, where you take this image and blow it up? He practically pasted, you know, blew the stuff up on Xerox and, and pasted up that artwork onto uh, the, the final boards. Yeah, the Xerox machine is part of the cartoonist studio was a yes. big thing, especially in the 90s. That would have been uh, right before we, we all went digital. Yeah. There's young Sexton uh, transcribing his thing while his mom, and it's one of those uh, relationships where uh, he, he'll sometimes call his mom by by her name. I think all the time. Yes, all the time. Right? Says hi, mom, right there, mm -hmm. but. Well, and, and this is also the beginning of the angst indie rock stuff where which is where tori was out of right so there's a there's a parallel between that the music that was starting to come in at that time and the and sexton and what was happening with you know teenagers of that day who were all born around late 70s early 80s because it's a period piece from, from that era and you know this is the nirvana era like maybe you know kurt cobain happened at, at this point so we're getting look at the hair yeah exactly <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting a timely version of that and then you know we did the arse face issue where where garth ennis is like parodying the, yes. the corniness of of uh those those kind of kids how about the way bacholo can take these backgrounds and kind of uh dirty them up like that is moldy that is carcinogenic yeah, uh, sure. li living space if I've ever seen it. There's some here too. Yeah. I love this mark and it's going to appear throughout and I don't know that it denotes uh, like grunginess even though they're about to, she's, a, the mother is about to embark on cleaning a deep Clean. plane of this apartment so maybe it is in this case. Right. But that's going to appear uh, quite a few times and I love it because it's a strange mark for a shadow but I think it's just a shadow effect. It's uh, kind of an unusual brush stroke to get that effect. Well, but on that, one of the things about this issue is, is that both sex and her mother, there's mental illness there. Yeah. 
right? And so there's a, there's a darkness to the mental illness yeah, that, I, that I think that that is more what this is representing. That's interesting. Like a black cloud following. I yes, like that. Back, yes. Because he's got whatever manic depression you have. No, he's got like the depression. He's got depression. She's, She's got, got, the, got manic the manic yeah. depression. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. And then uh, we have Chekhov's uh, handicapable neighbor, you know, and, and it's cool because you sort of forget about him as you go on your adventure, but he is Chekhov's uh, handicapable neighbor and he will, he will come into play at the end there. I feel like it's a nice relationship between those two. Yeah. It's very casual, kind of interesting that it's in here. The, the sort of kind of goth people that are of like the death aesthetic are some of the most um, open-minded people I ever met in my life yes. and and very sort of open to all sorts of uh, interpersonal relationships and they, they they lack prejudice more often than not these people man and I could see you know them easily get, getting along in a situation like this uh, another one of these sequences where yes a high contrast photo is used but for the sharp focus Bachalo is uh, is is drawing that and of course now you're in New York yeah yeah very clearly and we have our uh, down in the dumps character, quite literally down in the dumps. Right. Being jerky. And See, that's a callback to uh, the Miracle Man having the the uh, Andy Warhol piece. Man, I feel, feel yeah. like maybe Bob Buckingham had something to do with that. And now we finally see our star character, and what a great intro! Yes, Upside exactly. down, coming into the panels. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this absolutely. is the stuff I want to applaud on creators. Exactly. Like, find ways to be as interesting as you can with this. She did not have to appear upside down in the panel, right. but why not? It's it's great. It's brilliant. It's Com memorable. Communicates well, it's also a lot from her from his perspective. Exactly. He's laying there, and how else, you know, how else would that appear to the person who's laying there than coming in? It's like wow. And but when you see it, another misdirect. Man, this is death. Yes, Holy right. shit! This guy. You know, he's complaining about being stuck under the, the fridge. Right. Holy shit, our guy died already. That's not that's not what this is. Uh, it was established in Sandman proper that there's the, you know, the one day per century where the endless get to walk the earth. And it's <laughs> it's sort of an exercise to keep them in touch with humanity. So this is a uh, death's day. It's death's day, yes. To, uh, to walk the face of the place. And she just so happened upon uh, this character. And notice the bloody hand. Yeah. I, uh, I've been reading a lot of Barks lately. This is interesting right there. I wonder if that's a printing thing. Can you maybe look in uh, your joint? Because that looks out of place. Very astute, Ed. That seems to be uh, some printer stuck his big fat thumb oh, on yeah, the... Oh, yeah, look uh... at that. <laughs> <laughs> big old glap of cyan on the shit. <laughs> Warren, you were talking about how how well printed this book was. I'm sorry, I, I lied. Okay. All right, so now uh, we have our suicidal uh, young boy mixed up with a girl. She ain't quite right. No, not not in the least. You know what is interesting is uh, reading a bunch of Barks lately, and uh, the Gladstone Gander character right. uh, will will pop up, and I couldn't help but think of Gladstone in relation to her, where. She doesn't have to pay for anything. Everybody's given yes. her stuff. And it sort of solves a problem of like, okay, you get your one day on earth, but man, you got some pretty like uh, regular garb. And if you're a human, you got to eat. So how do you get the I money to do that? Do, do that? Well, and, and also it's, it's also clear that when she does arrive, that there's the people around her have a background about her. Because th th this woman here is like, oh yeah, I've known her for a long time. And so, so there's, so when you come into the realm there's all of this stuff is already prepared for you yeah yeah it's a good use of comics in that what you're seeing isn't necessarily what is right and i always right. love whenever creators can do that usually it's one guy it's it's rare that you get like yes. a writer you know separate thinking that way but i also feel like it's the very literary part that uh Gaiman brings to, to yes. this table you know like that's a really thought out treatment of a character yes now we go into this story with the baggage of knowing sandman and the comics and how it all works all that stuff i said about the one day a year thing that's from reading the Sandman comics. So imagine somebody going in cold. There is a little push-pull tension that, that Neil Gaiman is able to weave into this where maybe she is a little daffy human who thinks she's death, or maybe she's death. And uh, it, it isn't exactly... There's a literary part to how it's tied up at the end Yes. that uh, is up for interpretation. And... Uh, the the relationships that that she has, it's it's clear that 
she's done this before yeah and is familiar with how to go ahead and establish these kinds of things I love whenever these images get a little bit beat up texturally. Yeah. Sometimes they look like they're blown up a little bit or they're splatter or just, I don't know, there's a, there's a texture that I really appreciate when it comes through. It looks like it, right? It looks like it's, it's blown up from things. A lot of these kinds of great page layouts too, you know, where she's blending into the shadows of that, like the silhouette yes. of the steps and then also we're moving around that image. You, I love it. You said it and now I, I, I want a black and white this work would shine in black and white because that color right that is indicative of early to mid 90s steve olive ollie optics color yeah and i don't which look I like. at this and think bad color no but i do look at it and think like this is when guys were still drawing in black and white with shadows and yeah. you know doing all their values and textures and it's like people don't draw comics that look like this anymore we had mad heady at the beginning right we've connected death with Sexton, so now we got to get Mad Hetty into into the mixture as well, and now she's coming off like a complete uh, psycho. Yeah, and Warren, to your point about maybe some of these are representative of a yes. state of health. Yes. Uh, Mad Hetty's panels just full of that kind of brush, dry brush scratchiness. Exactly. So now, and, oh yeah, go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead, Warren. Well, I, you know, here you you start getting more of these kinds of breakdowns where your perspective is being switched with the dialogue very very rapidly yeah this kind of thing i think is what you will see guys like terry moore br like bring into their comics uh like you know strangers of paradise but now uh you know this is three issues that we got to milk out of this thing so we have to go on our uh, lord dunsany adventure <laughs> and uh old mad hetty she uh misplaced her heart some hundred years ago and uh, needs death to help her find it so now death has a quest death has something to do on her one day uh, on earth and i love unlike all co superhero comics right where you have that cliffhanger ending it starts off like all of that is just uh, taken care of it's it's almost no game in laughing at the tropes of superhero comics where Let's just get out of that, explain it away real quick, and, and continue our adventure. Because in a lot of ways, this is more character study than yes. a plot-driven DC classic type of comic. Good color approach on our little flashback sequence. And, Fantastic. And, and you yeah. see us get pushed into that in this uh, sequence right there. There are also, we've gotten three characters essentially in issue one, and they all have an arc through this Serious, like it's very yes. like this is almost writing 101 in some ways. Yeah. However, not something that's common in every comic book. True. <laughs> we right. could all learn lessons from that. Going Frank King on this page right there. Yeah. Uh, the Greenwich Village. Right. Uh, these these backgrounds, like I, I could imagine that maybe a photo was used to generate the the original image, but probably with a light box. And Bachalo and uh, Buckingham do a good job of turning that into a nice comic book illustration. And and again, they get something for free. Right. And Sexton's like, how do you, what, no, you know, how do you do that? That's a real superpower. Yeah, exactly. Gladstone Gander, baby. <laughs> and uh, it might even be a Bushmiller rule of threes. Like there might be three instances and then we discover that she has 10 bucks. So that will be the Chekhov's 10 bucks. Like that has to be used at one point. This feels right. straight out of Generation X comics. Yes. Uh, Chamber, Gateway, one of those kind of characters. And here is the fourth character. Yeah, the uh, Emirate or something like it. yes. And, you know, Neil do does these things, inventing these names, so that it's like, well, what is what is that? And you go off and try to do research. There's like nothing on it because right. it's out of his head. Which is really cool because it, it makes it feel like a solid real mythology yes absolutely and uh certainly he masters he practices it in his comic book work and it masters it with american gods and he's now looking for something also from death yes so you've got two people converging and then he's got his like little toady you know we got a kid from school this is a not unlike uh stephen king and and gaiman has brought stephen king up in conversation uh about like certain influences and, and inspirations that he's gleaned from him but like this kind of character shows up in all the Stephen King works where you have somebody who's analogous to the character that you're following but like another school kid who goes fucking far off the rails extra violent 
you know, Stand By Me, it has those characters. Is this the one where you have to actually spend a 10 bucks? Uh, not that, yet. Yeah, no, I think that not, comes not later. Yet. But but also, look look at what they're bringing in here, okay? Dyke Baby. Now, this is 1993 when these comics came out. Yeah. And this kind of stuff just was not anywhere in comics. Gaiman was the one guy, and uh, he's the argument for... You know, you could play a drinking game with the modern day kids who who write these these kind of yes. comics and just and just you know take a drink every time the word queer is in the comic or right. something. No, this but was... he he would blend things in and he would have trans characters, he would have gay characters, like uh, every sort of stratum of sexuality, and it would just be woven in to the narrative in a literary way rather than just the, the stuff that you know people what, bristle at. Was um. Fox a character in Sandman? Yes. Okay, uh, I was going to say, because it's laying the groundwork for the sequel of Death, where we have Fox as a feature character. Yeah. Like, that's who they're seeing at yeah. this concert. Yeah, Foxglove. Uh, we, we we handled that character, I believe, in uh, our second uh, big, big trade paperback. But Foxglove was on the other end of the phone in that one Dr. D diner sequence, the 24-hour joint. And there's right. the lesbian who is a like a wife beater and is like apologizing on the phone it's foxglove on the other end of that phone that is uh that is the girlfriend that foxglove leaves yes and then she dies right wow yeah yeah he builds that mythology and once again the the new game and strategy of throwing stuff up on the you know softballs yeah. up in the air and uh you know touching on them at a later date because he has to turn in a script every six weeks so uh he's given himself a lot of opportunity to uh have story fodder he, he plants these seeds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is our foxglove here. Yeah. And foxglove looks different all the time. Like, we'll play late with uh, ma makeups and things. But this was a really pretty cool page with all these panels and highlighting the uh, guitar frets. Yeah, some really unusual mark making, you know, on, on like these backgrounds and stuff. Love it whenever an artist will actually do that where everything doesn't look like it's coming out of the same. Right the same you know 3d printer or something right and it, i think it was it was probably generated on a single sheet of paper because they use the exact thing in all of these panels blowing it up shrinking it down it adds to the aesthetic because like these characters you know the sexting character is kind of grungy and you think of zines and that's a very zine worthy uh tool mm -hmm. to mess around with the xerox machine and blow things up and shrink things down Right, and, and the other thing that, that Gaiman is doing is weaving these other other people who, you know, it's not a homogenous world in terms of race in any way, shape, or form. It's not a homogenous world in terms of sexual identity. And for 1993, this was pretty heady stuff to have both of them thrown into the same comics. And yeah, see, that's Kurt Cobain's haircut. Yeah, totally. Like, uh, I mean, this is a good, I, I knew a, a thousand of this dude. Yeah, uh, sure. Th through middle school and high school. Yeah, so now, now they've connected. This is an interesting layout for lettering. It and it, it doesn't work so well. I f like, you know, you see, you clearly see how the captions are broken up and then you're supposed to read directly here. I think it's maybe this one where I read it, 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 it they're too kind of far apart and I just immediately went there. I wonder what the thinking is behind this kind of lettering, because it almost looks like, like it would make sense in a Matrix comic, like some kind of high tech treatment or something. Yeah. And I don't understand its placement here. If it's, you know, like it's almost like poetry if you're trying to arrange like lines yeah. together. I don't know. It's conf it's a little bit confusing to me. It's it it draws attention to itself, and I'm not sure why. I don't think that it would have been an easy thing to do hand lettered, so. Todd Klein is probably, you know, I'm not going to put my head in the camera and, and see if, you know, the all the I's and the T's are the same. But I, I bet it's computer letter uh, at, at this point. And I think, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's being formal. But also, it, there's probably a creative issue with just trying to make sure you don't cover up this poor girl's uh, top hat and stuff. Yeah, I'd be Form curious to, function. to know a little bit more about it. It's yeah. so stylistic. I can't believe it's something that Gaiman or an editor didn't sign off on or yeah. didn't direct, but I don't know what the purpose is. And to bring in another influence, this is uh, Tommy Bolin of T-Rex yeah. with the top hat right. and the hair. Not Slash. No, no. no, no. <laughs> I feel like I've been reading. No. I, I'm no. going to have to reread this now. <laughs> no, not Slash. So now we're following uh, Joey Jerkoff from the high school and... 
our dude is kind of jealous. See, he's yes. he's he's that young, that young horny that doesn't want to admit that he likes the girl, which is totally appropriate for this age of of a boy, I imagine. So he's going along on these adventures. He's doing this and that, but he's always telling her that he's not attracted. Uh, he doesn't want to be hurt. This kid doesn't want to be hurt anymore. But the second that she starts to kind of go off with uh, this goofball here, now she's expressing. He's expressing all that. Uh, Stuff. Oh, you know, he's a bad guy. He's he's yeah. a he's a schmuck. He's a punk easily Yanks off the onk from uh, from her neck That's a hard panel too because it, it also looks work. like he's punching her. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. there There are moments in this comic uh, that the compositions um, they, they don't they don't exactly work uh, And that and that certainly is one of them. You know, and, you need this panel. Yes, and, and look look what they do here They get shut the funk up yeah, that's All right. that's funny. And so you know they they haven't quite crossed that line yeah. yet. Yeah, that's that's funny. That's a good that's a good point. Now we got our Emma Wright guy. He, uh, he needed that onk. Uh, when you've seen this guy a bunch, like you almost start to think of John Constantine. Yes, it's great too. And I, I don't think you know spoiler alert, but it's like he thinks he needs that exactly. Onk. Right. Yes. Like, and I yeah, love exactly. that for a character. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's the big sigil. Uh, it. It's not far from the the Sandman origin, where uh, these human beings—I mean, this is still a god or, or whatever—an emerite is, uh, where they think that uh, the the power is in the object. Yes. And you know, so they try to conjure up death back then, accidentally get the Sandman. So uh, it's sort of, sort of flaws in human thinking. The trophy is the thing. Right. Or as. Uh... Alfred Hitchcock put it, the MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah, we, a word we use and overuse plenty on the channel. Uh, cartoony bricks all mm -hmm. abound, and uh, and I like that. Oh yeah, I like that. I think I think it would be pretty stuffy if it was uh, all fo like fully accurate. And notice the darkness. Oh yeah. In, in in all of this, these these big wads of black. Yeah. And then using those um, public domain. You could get those books, remember, of like the public the domain uh, banners and things that you could adorn your pages with. Interesting production note is you see these pages are, are trimmed, you know, like they're printed wrong. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. I, do you have issue two? You'll see the uh, like the checker pattern in future issues too. Will oh, be yeah, used. there it is. Yeah, so it's uh, so possibly pretty... trimmed wrong again, you know, like each of these pages is lined up slightly differently. Right. right. But you'll see, I assume it's Bachelot doing like the checkered patterns and things in the background. I really like that stuff. So uh, once again, we get our, our cliffhanger, right? Where they are stuck in this uh, room. They bash the dude's head in and he, he's dead as, dead as a doornail. Uh, if the Emirate comes back, they're probably going to be toast. So they're, uh, they're in peril. Yes, not, very, not, very much so. Not far from... Uh, our darkest point, the end of Act Two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in true kind of a game and fashion, playing around with the superhero uh, tropes, they're going to get out of that no problem. Also, take a couple of pages. Well, and and here it all comes back to this woman that has known Dee Dee slash Death for apparently years. Yeah. But we know that that's a that's a fabrication. Yeah, she worked. She she gave Dee Dee some of the first free stuff that we saw earlier bananas or something mad Hetty shows mad up Hetty shows up right and uh you know we got to save the day yeah and, and there's not you know it's it's clear that it is death but it's not death at right. the same time because whenever she would take somebody that it was clear that that the person who was being taken knew who this was right but here that's not the case and so that that's a clue in terms of what was really going on here that it's it's is it death is it not death we you know what's going on here because that death was not acknowledged and she was in the room right and somehow it's unclear how mad hattie tracks them down right it just comes in easy what what they're trying to do is do some uh some sort of kevin McAllister home alone gimmick to get one over on the emirate whenever he comes back so they put a bunch of marbles Right. right out in front of the door and when we next see mad hetty she's on her ass wearing some converse all-stars uh she got tripped up by those by those marbles 
the only tennis shoes in comic book world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because this isn't about plot, and this isn't about adventure per right. se. Mad Hetty gets our heart. Right. That's that's uh, her quest answered. Well, not not quite yet, but soon. I like the interaction, and I feel like this is something I think of with Neil Gaiman of regular people. Yeah. With then like. In this case, Mad Hetty would have been yes. like her. Her, I guess she interacts with death too. But Mad Hetty was the one that I enjoyed, where it was like wild character, normal character, and I think that's a literary device in fantasy that gives you that grounding and gives a reader a very easy entry in. Right. But in comics, the regular person is something, especially in like the Marvel DC comics. There are creators that are not capable of the regular person, right? Artists right. and writers, right? Right. And uh, we could use a few more of them. Well. Yeah. Of the regular person, not the not the creators that can't do the regular person. Sure, and 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 this kiss. If you think about comics back then, how many interracial kisses were was one seeing anywhere for that matter? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is not a intimate kind of thing. No, it's no, a, it's, it's a, not. It's a thank still, you. Yes. But but uh, to speak to your normal person thing, it's also kind of normal person proportions. You know, not it's not it's not a skinny character. Yeah. Yes. But it's not like very often whenever somebody would be tasked with doing somebody a little more rotund or whatever like they go full blob but this is a uh, subdued it's, you know you've seen you've seen this body type plenty of times this is another one of those great regular this is a regular location but we drop our fantastic character death into it and it kind of makes it special and, and i think it's from a photo to start yeah well and and also they go into a a jewish bagel delicatessen and the guy there is clearly jewish has yiddishisms in him deals with the Meshuggah guy and right. <laughs> just you know just really does the thing that you that you expect in one of these small little bagel places that's a mom and pop bagel place and, and uh, part of its environment right it's a, the melting pot of, of New York, New York City, City so, right. so you have to get some dialect in there and you have to get some some uh, different kind of culture yeah I'm just sorry about the Meshuggah okay? <laughs> and and once again she doesn't pay right okay and then showing that the Ankh was nothing more than an object, she just gets another one. Yeah. Okay. There was nothing special about that first one. Gladstone Gander, baby. Yeah. When the Emirate just stands outside, that is a good, creepy image. It's, it's, a, it's a great idea that they would now have to like eat their whole meal and this dude is just out there standing, staring. <laughs> I feel like that's a piece that reads differently now, with homelessness being, I think, a lot different than it was, at least perceived a lot different in yes. today than it was in 93. It's uh, that that's a piece that's a little bit different just looking at it on surface. Yeah, because he he doesn't like offer the guy a sandwich or something. It just psh, you're out. And it would be perceived now like that would be harsh now. Like yes, very yeah. Much I so. mean, I look at it here and it reminds me of like the Exorcist poster where like he's still shadowed. You know, he's still this character that's like oh, right, a yeah. nighttime character, but in a daylight setting. Right. But it's just very different, you know, thinking about it today than it would have been in '93. Has to spend that ten bucks on that on that onk. I like seeing this kind of gutter treatment. Yeah. Again, not sure what they're thinking there, but it it's use every part of the comic. Yeah. Now we're in Central Park. Yeah, Central Park, right? Exactly. I think this exact view is in Pax Americana. Interesting. Oh, Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a famous uh, photo, man. It's so funny to think like you would have famous photos in the 90s pre-Google image search, but at some point, whenever Google image becomes a thing, some of those famous images are the first ones that are coming back in your searches. You right. <laughs> now we come to our, what happens to be the kind of climax of... Uh... Well, and there were two pennies left. Right. So she had $10 and a few cents. And these two pennies, you know, there's a, a you know, they put, put pennies on your eyes at burial times. And there we go. Getting the hand. So, so uh, it's this interesting thing where you know this is we this is death, deity and death, meeting one another, and it's treated interestingly. Like the deity character has a little bit more flesh, and 100% endless death, pure white. You you gotta think about Coraline a yes. little bit yeah, yeah. when you see uh, that. Replace those with buttons. Right, and so and so here's where it is. It it, it really it was death, but it wasn't death both right. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's that literary thing we were talking about playing around with the skewed uh, Xerox machine there. And then the postscript with uh, Sexton. Yes. 
kind of um, make, making peace, ending the, it the way uh, we, we we sort of expected it to to end. Nice clean crib. I guess you do still uh, get chased a little bit with some of the gimmicks. Mad Hetty having her interaction with uh, the the yep. little neighbor boy and gets her heart and is making sure to uh, to lose it again on on uh, the same page. Well, and it's the same thing with the uh, Tin Woodman looking for his heart in Wizard of Oz. That it's not the object. Right. Man, I never even made that correlation. Yeah, it's the, it's the Tin Woodman. All right, the Dave McKean uh, drawn eight-page AIDS public service announcement. AIDS giveaway it? comic. Yes. Probably Cage's era. It's got that the same mark making. Love seeing his uh, his line art. And McCain's. and uh, a lot of the same color approach. You know, it's not the slate blue. It's this is kind of uh, diarrhea color mustard. Yeah, that second color choice is uh, is something. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and notice you know the images of all of the the people that were affected by AIDS going through this and. This was the time, I'd have to look it up, but uh, this was the time of the AIDS blanket and, you know, the late 80s and early 90s. It was a, it was a scourge. I mean, it was it was really bad. People were dropping left and right. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, it it, it was uh, it, rap music. Even the toughest gangsterish guys were talking about, yeah. you know, rap, rap it up. Like, everybody was kind of doing what they could to do their part. Right. Because there was <laughs> no... There, there was no cure. There was no medicine for it yet. It took, it took a while for that to, to come about. And um, any, anybody who knows someone in the gay and lesbian community back then, uh, everybody got impacted. There, there was a, there's a whole street in, um, down in Pittsburgh that got, got ravaged, man. Uh, that my, my old girlfriend's brother died of it. And what happened was, is he was a medical tech, and he accidentally got stabbed with a, with a needle. Wow. Okay, and he came down with it and passed away. So no, it was it was very it was very heavy. Do you remember what this was printed as originally? I feel like was it controversial when it was released? I feel like there was some noise around it at the time. Um, I'm sure there was. I didn't do. I don't remember it per se, but you know, I'm sure that it was. Yeah. Any any of this kind of approach was out of the ordinary yeah totally I mean uh, you know this is also the era where I forget who the lady who was a surgeon general under Clinton uh, Janet Reno Janet. oh no, no she was the uh, defense uh, yeah, yeah but um, it was a black lady and she was promoting uh, masturbation like like that was in the public consciousness and, and was a conversation and people were like no like like there was a famous guy on a on MTV a religious dude who's like if you start to get those feelings, you know what I do? I practice my baseball stance. <laughs> he says. <laughs> yeah, there were some really ridiculous responses back then. Yeah. Um, although there were some really ridiculous responses today, yeah, but that's say. another conversation. For Don Melia, so so uh, that that probably has a tremendous resonance. Yeah, answer the question in the comments, people. Uh, I I don't know where this eight pager would have shown up. What was it? A single handed thing? Uh, did it not come out? And this is the the place where where you you do get it. Uh, sort of legendary, but I don't know much about it. I, I've never seen a copy of it. Yeah. Fantastic. So there it is. What I think is the most finely printed of the cartoon reprint books that DC did. Very exceptional. Very exceptional. And certainly... And, you know, again, there you see the translucence of the whole thing. Isn't it fascinating that you see this and you know it's Dave McKean? You know that's a, that's the that's the mark of an artist, and then you see this, and then you think about like all of the desktop publishers who tried to bring Dave McKean isms into their 1990s publications. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful book. We talk a lot about book design on here. It's come up a lot as people have been sending us books they're making and things. Sure. And you just wonder, like, at the early days of the book, DC cares, right? It's a yeah. new, it's almost yeah. a new thing they're selling. So you got to make it nice. We got to try to sell this. Will it work? And then you cut to today, and it's like we're putting out thirty of these a week <laughs> as fast as we can get them off the printer. Yeah. And it's just such a different one, uh, you one, know, thirty years, completely different business model and bookmaking model. You right. know, like everybody is not created equal, man. And uh, this was this was a special thing. And listen, man, I'll do some fucking self promotion. 
fuck all of you, man. What you, <laughs> what, what, what you call the Marvel Treasury Edition style books is the Ed Piscor style books from Hip Hop Family Tree. And when I hooked up with Marvel, I was like, you have to yeah, have sure. no um, glossy paper. It's got to be, you know, the size is the size of my hip hop family tree books, blah, blah, blah. And, and they made those concessions. Shouts to Axel Alonzo for doing it, man. Uh, it's been a running theme on the channel, I feel like, man, where it's the administration, it's the gatekeepers. It's the it's the editors and, and the, the bean counters who are giving us the bad color reprints yes. that people like Jose Villarubia are showing and showing how it could be done better or us you know recoloring stuff and showing you how it could be done better but the bean counters don't give a fuck so you have to like kick and scream and try to figure out how to uh manipulate that situation and by all means like advocate for your work to be seen in the best way possible marvel was happy to let me design my hulk grand design treasury it's one of my favorite books i've ever put my hands on and they were fantastic to work with but i had to ask them you yeah know, like totally. i had to be like i want to design it they were happy to let me do it they gave me everything i wanted in it but you guys got to ask for it you know if you're out there making these books like ask about every single detail that you care about yeah totally i went for the spot varnish for the red laser beam and you went for the fluorescent green yes. color you know and uh, i was so happy when they were like yep yeah <laughs> yeah you know they, they they go back they crunch numbers a little bit and then they're like all good yeah, right. yeah, go ahead, go ahead and go do that, man. Oh, it's not in this one. But, like, I got an extra page in uh, my, my second set of Grand Design, and it was just the word blink on a piece of paper. The idea is the universe is blinking out. Mm. I got paid full rate for that, man. Pencil, <laughs> pencil inking, because, because uh, you know, it's, 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 it's Mussolini's Italy, man. Uh, yeah, sure. it, it, the trains run on time, and they know that they're taken from you, so they'll give you the full rate on this one page. But the amount of uh, conversation... And like the two weeks of wait <laughs> to get that one fucking extra page. It's uh, ridiculous. It's silly. Uh, it's an illustration that these people are doing whatever they can to just like hold on to a job. Um, but it's power. Okay. The, the the money is the power. And that that's where the problem is. Yeah, but it's people with jobs who have to like advocate for that. You know, like uh, the, the editor, they, they want to give you a good book. I think of the Mr. Show sketch where the guy goes into the gas station with a dollar and wants change, mm -hmm. and the and the guy's like, "Ah, uh, let me check," and it keeps going to the manager, to the people that owns the chain, like all the way up to the president, and it's like, "Oh no, we can't do that." Yeah. <laughs> and then back down, it's like, "Sorry, can't help." Yeah, yeah. Just getting the grand design job was like a six month uh, wait. Anyhow, man, super cool, Warren. Thank you so much for coming through uh, to the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. We Great to be here. Thanks for having me once again. We love having you. And for people that don't know Warren, check out, we have a tour through his collection. It's a great video to start with. It'll give you a sense of uh, where his expertise is coming from <laughs> and also make you very jealous of someone's collection. Absolutely, man. The videos are brought to you by the books that we make, but uh, the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel is a daily stream. Uh, like, follow, subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell so that we notify you when new videos are available more than 1400 maybe 1500 videos are live right now uh give the channel a search for your favorites maybe we covered them if we did check those videos out if not then please put something in the comments and let us know what your favorite uh comics are so that we can put push those higher to the top of our reading pile we have a patreon for the early adopters who want to mitigate the kayfabe effect and get the scoop on the books that we talk about each week they get the videos before anybody else they hang out with us in this live stream recording session uh, that's going on while we record. Uh, three dozen or so people in the chat room there right now. They see everything we do before anybody else, and uh, it is good value for your subscription rate. But, like I said, the videos are ultimately brought to you by the books that we make. Before You is a healthy bibliography of the stuff that we have out on the racks. But we are constantly working on things. Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you. This holiday season, the numbers are in before this thing is even released, and uh, it's uh, it's destined to become a sellout. Let's put it that way. So uh, put your name on a copy right now to go to your comic shop, go to your local bookseller. If you don't have one in town, hit up Amazon, scoop it up. 504 pages, 150 pages of extras are in here. Uh, it's the best book I've ever made to date. Uh, it is a 10-year anniversary of Hip Hop Family Trees, the 50th anniversary of Hip Hop as a Culture. So please support this book, put it on your bookshelf this holiday season. Not the only holiday effort that'll be coming out to you. 
this season. Uh, the X-Men Grand Design Trilogy trade paperback is coming. It's going to be trade paperback size, typical Marvel type size, but it's going to have all of my X-Men Grand Design work. Some of this stuff is out of print right now. So make sure you get your hands on uh, the Grand Design Trilogy. You'll get all the books at once. And uh, the current focus has been Red Room. Uh, there are two trade paperbacks of Red Room out there, the Anti-Social Network and Trigger Warnings. January uh, marks the release of Red Room Crypto Killers trade paperback. So please support that. When it comes out, Jimmy, let the people know what you got come, going on, man. Time to pre-order Street Angel Princess of Poverty from Image Comics. This is coming out in November. You can pre-order it at your comic shop now. It collects all of the comics that are not in Deadliest Girl Alive. You put those two together, you got yourself the Street Angel set from Image. Uh, I am self-publishing at this point. BW Zine, collecting a bunch of my favorite panels and editorial and ads from the uh, Black and White Explosion comics. The 1986 Zine, highlighting the greatest year in comics history so much stuff was happening then and we'll do a video on this one before the time comes can't wait and uh true crime funnies three non-fiction stories and uh like i say self-publishing so i will be selling these october 26th on jimrug.com it's kind of my holiday fall sale so if you guys missed any of these or you want to add them to your collections give them as gifts circle october 26th on your calendar and the last thing i want to want to say here we talk about gratitude a lot on this channel ed Hulk Grand Design, I am so grateful for the experience of making this Marvel Let Me Do the book I wanted to do. It got good sales, and guess what? It is basically sold out at the distribution level, so we have one last piece of this puzzle. All the comic book retailers that took a chance on this book and ordered one, if you see it sitting on those shelves, might be your last chance to get a copy of this. And I want to send those, uh, let, let those comic shop owners know I am thankful that they ordered this book, so pick this up at your local comic shop while you still can, because Marvel does not keep stuff in print. <laughs> Maybe a while before you see uh, another one of these at cover price. Uncle Warren, you got something to, to, uh, to promote? Uh, well, no, I don't, but now I've got to get both the Hulk Grand Design and the X-Men Grand Design and this hip-hop thing, and you guys cost me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> There are some other ways to support the channel. Jimmy, let the people know. You can subscribe to the Cartoonist KFAB newsletter at the links below this video. You can also uh, order merchandise, mugs, caps, t-shirts, stickers, all kinds of stuff with Cartoonist KFAB on it from our spread shop. That link is also under this video in the show notes. So there you guys have it. A gang of ways to uh, keep these videos coming to you on a regular basis. Without further ado, Jimmy, there's one, less, one last set of marching orders to give the people before we get out of here. Read more comics. <laughs>